Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Here we go. Insert the gif. That time of year, baby, less than a month in the NFL's regular season. The Colts return from their bye week in the playoffs. The number six seed overall, if the playoffs started today, at Kansas City uh, for that 3-6 matchup. Uh, Chiefs will play on Thursday night. That's a big one on Thursday night. Chiefs at Chargers, I believe, is the Thursday night matchup this week. So uh, we are back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner, a bye week edition. We'll talk a little Patriots. We'll talk a little playoffs right here at the start. Uh, but really have just kind of compiled and gathered Twitter questions throughout the year, some big-picture stuff. I thought, let's throw them all into a podcast. And uh, what a time, Chris Presley. Um, this is what you want, man. Yeah. When you are a fan of an NFL team, you want appointment viewing. You're going to get it. Saturday night this week, Saturday night next week, national attention, all eyes on you, your your hated rival you'll see Saturday night. Um, you... Obviously, have grown up in this market. In my opinion, Saturday night is the biggest home regular season game in the history of that stadium. Um, a lot of people point to Peyton's return game, rightfully so. Uh, that is like the emotional pull. Like that's like you know, moms from Carmel crying in the stands and then getting ready to cheer for the Colts with split jerseys on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I hope Peyton plays pretty well. You know, <laughs> but we still win. Blah blah. blah. Like, those Carmel moms are cussing at Bill Belichick on Saturday night. Um, Venom, atmosphere. Uh, I've said it before. I've been fortunate to go to a lot of NFL venues. I don't feel like Lucas Oil is that hostile of an environment week in and week out. Uh, It better be at that level Saturday night because uh, how you draw it up, man, it don't get any bigger. No. And uh, credit to one of our listeners. It's kind of funny. I I feel like a a event planner. He's been DMing me for the last two months (laughs) every week. Hey, where should I where should I uh, stay when I come to Indy? I'm, I'm I'm coming to this game. Okay, now where should I go pregame? Should I go to this place? Should I go to that place? Okay, now after game. <laughs> and to his credit, he's like, I'm not trying to bother you, but this is big. Oh. And and as as we get and and his his DMs to me have ramped up as we've gotten closer to this game because it truly is like you mentioned one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game since Lucas Oil's opened. I mean, I got some juice in me, you know, driving in this morning. I, I mean, I, I feel it, and obviously, yeah. you know, my rooting interest, you know, is is put to the side. But like, how do you not get revved up for what's going to happen again? Not only this Saturday, but next Saturday as well. I mean, that's going to be an awesome test and a much different test. You know, I think mm-hmm. New England, Arizona, defensively, both stout, but again, much different test. Uh, with those two. So um, let's kind of get a little state of the union, Chris, before we get into it. Seven and six. Patriots are nine and four. Right now, like I said, you're in the sixth spot. Um, you look at the AFC picture right now. You win Saturday night, you got to fall on your face to miss the playoffs. Like, it's not a play in game, but I mean, is Urban Meyer coaching the Jags in week 17, week 18? I mean, Boy. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing if he's not coaching them. But um, basically, yesterday, you got the help, mm-hmm. and and all along it was like you know we said five and two, uh, at that seven uh, seven game mark out. It's like if they go five and two down the stretch, they're gonna make it. And at this point, they're three and one. Um, I think three and one. Um, maybe it was two and one. So 
the fact that Buffalo didn't finish it off, Cincinnati, and just how crazy those two finishes were, yeah. man. I mean, you were traveling yesterday, and I know you were able to kind of watch the end of it. But, I mean, at one point, and it felt like it was simultaneously, Cincinnati is in the red zone, or at least like at the 20. They score a touchdown, they win the game, first right. possession of overtime. Buffalo, I mean, did they get – they almost got inside the 10. I don't know if they got inside the 10. Man, if you're a Bills fan. The doorstep of that Titans game, the doorstep of that yeah. Bucks game, and now Josh Allen's banged up. Um, if those two go against you, mm-hmm. you know, that can totally change things. But you got those. Um, the division, I think, continues to be a, a long shot with Tennessee taking care of Jacksonville. But um, I think this team can be a dangerous out. And talk about Indianapolis. Now the question is, can you do your part? You know, the other teams did their part in kind of helping you. Can you do your part? And take care of business. Um, it's hard too as a fan. Like when I was so, like Kevin mentioned, I was traveling on vacation last week uh, for 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 business for some of the part. Thank you for Eddie Garrison for filling in. Um, I was out in Washington D.C. and then I uh, went to my niece's graduation in Appalachian State. Which I'm sitting there. A beautiful campus, by the way. Really beautiful campus. Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting there watching the Patriot. You naturally want to root against the Patriots. <laughs> oh, but you're you also sitting there like. Well, if the Bills lose, right. I mean, the cool. And how about that game? I mean, that game. The wind was. Went down to the wire, too. Yeah. And that was a wild game. Right. But, like, I, I, I forgot about that game. That game seems like eons ago. Like, yeah. Uh, dude, the NFL and the entertainment. It's uh, it's incredible. It's it's incredible. Yesterday, we're celebrating my father-in-law's. Uh, I was about to say his age. I, I, I don't know if he cares or not. I, he's probably never listened to a minute of this podcast. But anyways, uh, we're celebrating his birthday. And my brother-in-law, I mean, he, he's got the red zone dialed up there late, yeah. man. I mean, you needed two screens. You right. needed two. And in this market, we weren't getting Cincinnati, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you're getting Brady against against the Bills. So you needed two screens. Um, and now it's Saturday night. And to us, it's a rivalry. Yeah. There's Venom. Josh McDaniels added to it a couple of years ago. He's still there. Belichick's on the sidelines. It, it is a rivalry. In Foxborough, it's, it's not. And unfortunately, that's the Colts doing. Because they haven't won that game since. And Carson Wentz, I don't even know if he could drive a car the last time the Colts beat the Patriots. Like, it's been that long. Yeah, it has. Um, eight in a row. I mean, the losses are, I mean, you got some 30-point losses. You got some 20-point losses. Obviously, the AFC Championship game, which we don't need to go down that path. But <laughs> um, you got to make this a rivalry again. Yeah. Because it's not. It's not, yeah, Colt Patriot, yeah, that catches an eye. But when you look at on the field, man, it, it hasn't been that. Um, in the stands, though, the fact that Belichick, McDaniels, and just the Patriot colors are still there, certainly it falls into the category for this fan base here. Um, and, and we against, always, and we complain about primetime. We got primetime. Oh, you got it, man. Here it is, Saturday. NFL Network, I mean, back-to-back let's Saturday go. nights. Yes, exactly. That's a great point. Um, and I guess just lastly this, Chris, before we get into the Twitter questions, you're seven and six. You go three and one. You're in. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the standings right now. There's five teams at seven and six with you. You are atop the rest because of that conference record. Yeah. And you know it's the holiday season. Time to be thankful and grateful for whatever. Say thank you to be playing the AFC South. And another element to the schedule: be grateful you played the AFC East because that's a game against the Jets. That's a game against Miami yep. without Tua. So you look at this conference, the West and the North, those are legit one through four, mm-hmm. nothing to you know sneeze at. 
you've had six games against the Texans, Jags, Jets, and Dolphins. And if you look at the schedules of these teams down the stretch, you'll notice, like, you know, the Browns are playing the Steelers and the Bengals, or the Broncos are playing the Chargers and the Like, there's going to be natural beating of each other up. The Colts really don't have that because, again, their division, it's a joke outside of one team. So, yeah. The Colts, and again, I'm just acknowledging what is at hand here. Last year, you benefited from the easiest schedule in the league. This year, you've benefited from another easy schedule compared to the other AFC teams. The big thing is um, you know, you've got to make sure that you cash in on that. Right. Um, because you are catching a break there in that schedule bout. Now, the fact that you beat Buffalo and you could beat New England as well, that's you doing your own part and not just strictly beating up on the – you know, easy teams, the fact that, you know, you, you can control your own destiny. I don't know if that's the exact term, but if you beat New England, again, you're like a 90-something percent chance right. of, of making the playoffs. You lose these two, uh, now all of a sudden you need gobs and gobs of help. So we won't get into all of that, but, um, man, what a game. Venom, standings, don't get any bigger. Venetary on the anvil, is that who it is? Is it? Is he going to do it? I think so. I don't believe Vinatieri and Belichick see eye to eye. So I think when that's Adam, awesome. When Adam Vinatieri got word that you know, hey, you want to come do this? Uh, we oh, can't yeah. have Blue do it for a third straight game, and Miles Turner now wants out, so uh, we can't have Miles Turner come over and do it. So <laughs> uh, I, I think it might be him. So we'll that's see cool. If, uh, Vinny bangs it on Saturday night. No, and like you said, uh, look, I mean, both NFC and AFC. I mean, NFC is a little more top heavy. Both of them are wide open once you get to a certain level. It's just awesome to, like you said, you you look at Cleveland and other Cleveland Bengals, a lot of these other teams that are going to beat each other up, and you look at the Colts, and it's like, you win one of these one of these three, you you be you be either the Patriots, or if you beat the Patriots, you should be you're, in. You're, you should be in. Right, right. And, and this is a team that I feel like you get in, and it's inclement weather. No one wants to see you. I mean, hell, even if it's not, I mean, you know, we had Jeff Saturday on our morning show this morning. He has the Colts as a team he'd put above Kansas City mm-hmm. in terms of a team you don't want to see. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but again, the Colts are more equipped for ugliness than Kansas City is. Right. Ugliness at all. So, And we're going to get to that in Twitter questions, too. That's so. the beauty of this conference is that it's really wide yeah. open. The NFC a little bit more top-heavy, as you said. Uh, but, man, what and just an awesome – if you got a ticket, bring it. Bring mm-hmm. the bring the heat because it's going to be an un, unbelievable environment inside of that building Saturday night. And what a day if you're able to go to the Crossroads Classic in the afternoon. Right, uh, yeah. And then slide over to Lucas Oil at night. So happy for our city that uh, we, we, we get to experience that and can't wait for Saturday night. Yeah, not taking anything away from our crowds. You're going to be there. Kevin, when he sits up in the booth, it's hard to hear yeah. the crowd because of, you know, it's soundproof glass. Make Kevin hear you. If Kevin can hear you, the Patriots can hear you, and they will jump off sides. We're, we want to do everything that we can do to give the Colts the best win that they can have. Yes. Let's jump to Twitter questions, Kevin. First one comes from Adam. If we stay as one of the three wildcard teams, and who do we want to face from the AFC North in the first round? None of these teams are juggernauts. Overall, the play is inconsistent. I want to face Tennessee in the first round because the rest of Derrick Henry could be back, or I wouldn't want to face face uh, Tennessee, I should say, because Derrick Henry could be back healthy. I also wouldn't want to play the Chiefs because they're starting to get hot. 
So which division leading team, Kevin, would you want to face? Well, it's a good question. I would say Tennessee. Um, I mean, is Henry really going to be the same Henry? You know? I mean, that could be his first game back. Um, Ravens are an interesting bunch. We'll see if Lamar Jackson's going to miss any time. Um, You know, hell, you had some big quarterback injuries. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for the AFC North, but, you know, that's a division that I'm not really sold on anybody in that division. Um, so I think that's something that you'd factor in. But if you're going to say, all right, division winner, who do you want to see? I want to see Tennessee. Um, I know they've beaten you twice this season. I think that would add to it. You know, the old adage of it's hard to beat a team three yeah. times. I think that uh, plays into it as well. And, you know, who knows where A.J. Brown is? Julio's been really banged up this year. I mean, sure, they shut out the Jags yesterday, but, I mean, I, I'm still not – sold on them in terms of playing their best football. I don't love their defense either. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say Tennessee. Okay. I agree with that. We got one from Twegman. Belichick likes to take away your number one weapon. Offensively, we have Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Who do you think he takes away, and how do we move the ball on their defense? Well, I think ideally he'd take away Taylor. I mean, that's that's what he wants to go for. I think if you're putting Taylor and Pittman on a board and say who's more threatening to you, it's Taylor versus Pittman. Um, their secondary has been really good as well. They haven't really been that great against the run. You know, I feel like we, we kind of look at New England and assume they've been really good against the run. They've been kind of below average, really. So I'm assuming he's going to commit some resources to taking away the run. And then in a way, I think they will commit, you know, a little extra attention to Pittman. But, like, there's probably an element of Belichick that's like, let's see if Pittman can take over a game. You know, I, I think that's kind of the next step in his mm-hmm. evolution. Obviously, he's made a big step here in year two. Uh, but still, I, I think that's something that, um, you know, could be uh, a, a huge factor. Is that Devin McCourty helping over the top? I mean, J.C. Jackson, I think, has become more of a household name at corner uh, for, for New England. I think they're a little banged up in the secondary as well. Uh, Matthew Judon, I saw, went out on that uh, Monday night game. Mm-hmm. Damian Harris went out. We'll have to see his status as well. So, yeah, I mean, they. I think a big thing down the stretch, Chris, can you find a third skill guy? You know Taylor. You know Pittman. Teams are clearly, and you're going to play two legit defenses the next two weeks. Teams are clearly going to try to take away one, and ideally both of those guys, is Hines going to be there. Can Allie Cox finally kind of show up after a really quiet last month or so? I mean, Ashton Doolin has kind of been a guy here as yep. of late. Do you get Paris Campbell back? Can Campbell stay healthy? Um, so I, I think those are just some interesting questions here that are really critical to further, um, I think, making sure this offense stays at the top level now that you're playing better defenses. Yeah. I got a statement and then a question for you real quick, uh, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Hines, like you mentioned, I love what he can do in the slot. Everyone knows the Patriots, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Would love to see us finally give them a dose of their own medicine with something that someone like Hines could do. And then the question for you, we saw a couple weeks ago where we abandoned the run, quote-unquote, but a lot of those could have been run-pass options. Does Bill Belichick scheme his defense to make Carson Wentz check into a pass instead of a run from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like Belichick is, or it doesn't seem like Wentz has needed a whole, a whole lot to check into passes versus runs. Um, I, I that will be curious to kind of see how that chess match plays out. 
uh, because I think Belichick knows that Frank gives his quarterback that full autonomy at the line of scrimmage to do mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I do think that's going to be a big, big part of this game. I mean, you look at New England's front seven, Chris, you're not going to find a lot of names. You know, they got Lawrence Guy, former Colt, you know, in their front seven. So it's not a lot of names. Christian Barrymore's been great, their rookie out of Alabama. Um, I'm really impressed by how New England built this thing this year. Like, mm-hmm. Belichick was pissed off, you know, watching that happen last year. Pissed off watching Brady win it all. Yeah. And you look at their starters, I want to say it might be half our newcomers. Well, that's unheard of in the NFL. They went out and spent a ton in free agency. Obviously, they found impactful rookies from day one as well. It's really impressive what they've done to kind of say, hey, you know, this is this was not just a Brady operation for, for two yeah. decades here. So I think it's a little bit of Belichick saying, watch me. You know, it's the gif of him coming out of the tunnel against the Lions. Like, <laughs> not I'm shaking not shaking hand. anybody's hand here. Um, by the way, one of the greatest gifts out there. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, I mean, how do you not love Belichick? Like, he is just, he is so wild. I mean, he looks just wild on the sidelines. He acts like a robot. I mean, I think he is hilarious. I, I literally laugh every time they show Belichick on the sidelines and be like, that dude right there, greatest coach in NFL history. I mean, look at him. Like, if you if you Googled the phrase marching to the beat of your own drum, Bill Belichick dude, will pop up. I mean, I, I just I love how he just beats to his own drum. And again, I, I, I obviously there's plenty of reasons to hate him, and I totally acknowledge that. But I just love how big of an outlier he is based off all his colleagues yeah. and how just he's been able to intimidate the entire NFL. Like it's amazing. How he's able to do it, and obviously the resume speaks for itself. So, um, God, he's he's one of a kind, man. He definitely that's that is the great way to say it, one of a kind. You talked about different people potentially in the slots or different playmakers. Cody wants to touch on that a little bit when he asks a question for you. We already know his special team prowess, but do you believe Ashton Doolin deserves more looks on offense? Boy, he's been. Yeah, he's been big for you lately. Um, you know, I know they love Pascal as a blocker, so I think that's why Pascal continues to play as much. Yeah. But it seems like Doolin has made a few more of not necessarily the deep ball you saw against Tampa, but that touchdown he caught the other day against Houston. I mean, that was kind of a Pascal type of play. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned it earlier, Chris. Who's the third skill guy? You know, I kind of like Doolin a little bit more situationally. I'm not sure if I want seven targets for him or anything like that. And we'll we'll see about Campbell. You know, originally it was thought to be two to three months. Uh, two months, I think, is Christmas. So that would bring in the Arizona. We'll talk to Frank Reich. I mean, you guys probably already know this answer by the time you've listened to this podcast. We're talking to Frank Reich just after uh, we get done recording this podcast. But, um, yeah, a little bit more for Doolin, but I'm, I don't want to overwhelm him. Yeah. Question from Jason. Remember when we'd look at the schedule and we'd see December games in New England, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore, and the uneasiness that we would have? Is it possible that cold-weather teams think of the Colts the same way now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Um, yes, that's. I think that's definitely true. I mean, think about the outdoor venues, Chris, in the playoffs. Like, every AFC team plays outdoors. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I mean, obviously that's besides be you. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's going to be in. Um, I guess Chargers, maybe, if they were to win the division. Hell, wasn't that? Isn't uh, that I like, guess that's true, yeah. Some part that's outdoors, I, I don't even know. Um, is that it? 
Raiders? They ain't making it. Chargers, so, yeah. Raiders, but yeah, that's it. So it's just now when you bring up Baltimore and New England, I think I still have fear and the Colts playing at those places. I don't know. There's just maybe that's PTSD, but um, yeah. In all seriousness, Jason, the Colts are a team equipped to handle inclement weather in January. Now. There's no guarantee. Obviously, the Colts have played in several of those games, but like last year in Buffalo, that weather was glorious for that playoff game. Right. You know, yeah. and that obviously plays more into Buffalo's hands. So, um, and I, I don't recall too many like really ugly weather Mahomes playoff games. I feel like Kansas City's benefited from having some nice weather uh, in those games, but certainly, you know, if, and this more than ever, like you guys have heard me use the phrase, you know, just get in the dance and get a dart and have the ability to throw it at the board. That's what the playoffs are all about, especially in one and done, especially in the NFL. You just want to get in and have a shot. Um, there's other questions to be had, but for a team right now that is really, really healthy compared to most, playing its best football of the year, I think, mm-hmm. um, and has strung it together for several weeks, months now, there's a lot of reasons why opponents I don't think would want to see yeah. Indianapolis show up on their side of the bracket. Yeah. Like you said, coming off a bye, we're healthy. And listening to this podcast, and I know all of you probably already have, let's get Kenny Moore in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I know a lot of those guys, sometimes it's just accolades anymore, and the Pro Bowl is kind of a two-hand touch thing, but that guy deserves to be in the Pro Bowl. He deserves it. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he will. I believe fan yeah. voting, he's not even in the top ten at his yeah, position, I and I just don't think national recognition is there. Um so I, I think, you know, I'm going to post a Pro Bowl article tomorrow, like who's deserving, who's okay. not. Cool. Um, I, I think I'm, I've thought about it out loud. I got about a handful of guys that are definitely, I think, deserving slash will get in. I think there's another name besides Kenny that I think people assume is a Pro Bowl lock, but I don't think is this year. I'll say that for the article. It's a good tease. I um, love it. But yeah, at the same time, I, I still, I think I've narrowed it down to about five Colts I think are definite Pro Bowlers. Okay. Awesome. Well, you guys, you guys, like Kevin said, can check that out on 175thefan.com. Most of you follow him on Twitter, so look for that link drop as well. Kevin, we got a question from Isaac. Now that we're about 75% past the mark for Carson Wentz, what do you think you've seen that makes him our f- surefire first round or f- our first future quarterback? And what do you see that says he is not the guy? Well, those are all good questions, Isaac. Um, I would say the thing that I've been most impressed by Wentz this year, Chris, is just that he has found this very fine balance of taking chances and protecting the football. It's the hardest thing for quarterbacks to achieve, and Wentz has found that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been darn impressive to watch. Um, and again, he's protected it from a fumbling standpoint you know, pretty well. That That's really been his big nemesis as well. So I think that has helped him out. So I'd say that's been the most impressive. I also think, like, th- there's so many tiers to quarterbacks and what you think you need out of that position to win at a high level. You know, some will say, um, you know, I can find a – now, granted, Flacco had a great run when they made it to the Super Bowl, but I can find a Flacco-type quarterback, be really strong around him, and if I protect the football with that quarterback, I can win it all. Others would say, if you don't have a Mahomes – or uh, whoever, a Brady, you're not winning a Super Bowl. So I think there's, like, these different tiers of, like, what you need. I'm probably in the boat of, like, you need a top-eight quarterback to win a Super Bowl. 
I don't think you need like top three, four. Like that's, I think it's really lofty. Sure, if you want sustained success over a decade, you probably need that type of play. I'm probably in the eight-ish boat. I'd put Wentz just behind it. Like the the season hasn't unfolded like this, and a credit to the Colts for building double-digit leads on a routine basis, so they haven't need needed to. But like, can Wentz go win you a game? When Taylor's bottled up, mm-hmm. when you're down seven in the fourth quarter, those type of moments, can that quarterback deliver for you? Um, I think that is something of like, to Isaac's point, I don't know that. And I'm not ripping the guy for it. It's not like he's been in a bunch of positions where he's down four late in the game and you got to get on a drive. Like the Colts really haven't been in many of those. And certainly not with Wentz healthy this year. Um, some of them, but, but not a lot of them. So... Um, you know, are you in the Kirk Cousins group or are you not? I feel like Kirk is now the new like Flacco. Like we just put. He's Kirk like the Jeff like, Fisher. Yeah, exactly. Yes, the eight and eight. Yeah, he he's... is the Jeff Fisher. I would like to think Wentz has been a little better than Cousins, but you know, is he at that next tier? I think you know. You look at the AFC, Chris. I think we. I think I've mentioned this before, but I brought it up to Greg Rakestraw on Friday. And Rakestraw was, he was shocked when I told him this, but, like, you look at Carson Wentz's playoff resume, I believe he's only thrown four passes in the postseason, ever. Um, you know, he tore his ACL, obviously, in 2017. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And now you're you, you're looking at me like you were surprised by that. So. That's Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it, yeah. Yeah, so he tore his ACL in 2017. Mm-hmm. 2019, he gets on a great run into the year, probably his best stretch of football late in that 2019 season with a bunch of kind of random dudes. They make the playoffs. They face Seattle round one. Jadavian Clowney knocks him out, I think, on the second series of the game. Concussed. He's done for the game. They lose. So that's it. That's his, that's his only playoff experience. Wow. I bring that up because I think playoff football is different. Mm-hmm. Look at Peyton Manning's career. Look at Andrew Luck's career. Did they, did they go first time ever in the playoffs? Did they get on a run? Second time in the playoffs, they get on a run? No. We took Peyton what, nine years in the NFL to make the Super Bowl and win it? I mean, that's a lot when you think about Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Luck, you know, it was kind of a stepping ladder of get in, win a game, win a road game, mm-hmm. you know, and then I don't need to go anywhere else besides that. But um, that's where I think I'm kind of out with Wentz. It's like it's so critical for him to taste it because if for some reason, like above the Colts right now in the standings are the Chargers. Let's say example – for example, the Bengals were to make the playoffs, and, and the Colts don't make the playoffs, which, again, I right now I think Colts are making it. But let's say that happens. All of a sudden, you look at the four quarterbacks from last season, the final four quarterbacks in the AFC, all younger than Wentz, all of them with more playoff experience. Mahomes, mm-hmm. Allen, Baker, Lamar Jackson. Then if you throw Burrow and you throw Herbert into that group as well, now you're starting to get – Oh my gosh, that's six teams in the AFC. That's a lot that are younger quarterbacks and wins, but have been in the playoffs more than him. So I think it's so key. You know, my my question at the start of the year was Is Carson Wentz your franchise QB? Like more than anything, that's what you got to find out. I think signs say yes, but there's still a couple of like big boxes left that just mean a little bit more in the NFL. And that's all sports, you know? Like, you know, Purdue could go 28-3 and three this year in college basketball, and if they lose on the first weekend, no one gives a shit about that. You know, And that's <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. So, um, 
Isaac, I, I've been pretty impressed, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I thought he'd kind of be in that 12-ish range. I guess he has been there, uh, maybe a little bit better than that. But I think how quickly dealing with the injuries and the practice time missed, that's been impressive to me. Yeah. And, Kevin, sometimes people say quarterbacks make receivers. Sometimes people say receivers make quarterbacks. Rick wants to know your rankings right now from a wide receiver standpoint for the Colts. Not necessarily from a depth chart standpoint. Who do you have as one, two, and three? Oh, okay. Um, wow, there's some good debate, I guess. Pittman obviously won. I, jeez, my two. It'd probably be Hilton. Um, I know it might not be like the quantity, but you know, I think you saw it on the fourth down against Tampa. I think you saw it in the in the toe tap against Houston. I just still think I trust him more than the others. Um, three would probably be do. Doolin, yeah, probably Doolin. And Pascal right now, I just I don't have a lot of faith in him, which is wild to yeah. say because I would never use that. And then, you know, Campbell's the guy that as long as he's on the field, I'd put him at three. Now, the on the field is the big question. But, like, I mean, when Campbell hurt his whatever he hurt, his foot or whatever, I mean, he's the biggest play in the game against Houston, over-the-top touchdown. Like, as long as he's out there, he's a huge threat for you. So um, that's, a, that, that, that's a good one, Rick. But, yeah, I would say Pittman, Hilton, and then, yeah, I'd probably just rather draw out of a hat. Yeah, and like uh, Kevin said on Twitter, it seems like Paris Campbell is going to come back against the Cardinals on uh, Christmas, but we will wait and see. Question from Zay. He's got a two-part here, Kevin. We'll start with the serious one first. Curious right now, what do you think the percentage of us making the playoffs is? Sixty. Maybe a little more. Did you follow the political guy last night on the? Uh, was he doing it? Yeah, he. Steve, I think whatever we were like, is. we were in the red. We were, I think, sixty or sixty-eight percent. Yeah, yeah, I want to say five thirty-eight has him at sixty-six. I'd probably say like sixty, sixty-five. Okay. Yeah. Um. And honestly, it might even be a little bit higher in my eyes. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's. I I feel good. We're on the plus side of fifty. That's what yeah, you want. Right I feel now. good. Again, help is in your favor. Conference tiebreaker is huge. I mean, you pretty much will need all those teams to finish above you. You mm-hmm. know, seven teams to finish above you to get in the playoffs. I, you know, unless you like lose to the Raiders or the Patriots somehow fall into the wild card and you lose to them obviously on Saturday, which I don't know how that would happen. You're you look like a team that's going to have the head-to-head tiebreaker over everybody, which yeah. is massive, massive. And for a fun question from him, he has a, has a hypothetical. If the Colts need to make a playoff run for the Super Bowl this year, which three ex-Colts in their prime give them the best chance? Peyton, Jeff Saturday, Marvin Harrison, or Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Bob Sanders? Whoa, okay. So you're even going offense heavy or defense yeah, okay, heavy? Yeah, okay, okay. R- run that by me again. Peyton Saturday. And in who- their prime, you want Peyton Manning. Jeff Saturday and Marvin Harrison on this Colts team, or would you replace the players that we have with Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Bob Sanders? Wow. Um, well, first look, I, I'm like, duh, Peyton and Marvin. Um, right. I don't even know if I really need Saturday just because, you know, Ryan Kelly's already a pretty good player yeah. there. But now that I think about it more, man, 
Like, if you're going to ask me right now, Chris, 2021 Indianapolis Colts positions of worry, mm-hmm. I'd probably put defensive end and safety yeah. at or near the top of that list, and you are curing that for me with – if you're talking in their prime, Bob Sanders was a Hall of Fame type player yes. in his prime. Yes. Obviously, he didn't have the longevity to merit it. Mathis and Freeney, that speaks for themselves. I'd probably go with that latter one because I think you're more desperate at those positions. And as long as Wentz doesn't screw it up, I'm good. And I feel like in today's day and age of throwing the football, you got those two guys coming off the edge and Bob Sanders either coming up or dropping back. I mean, he could play linebacker. He could stop the run. He could Dude. intercept balls. I mean... That's a dangerous trio right there on defense. Leonard and Buckner are with them, and Kenny Moore in the slot. Yeah. Like, yeah, I uh, boy, that's a good one, Zay. I, I would say the defensive guys. Uh, you know, I also think about it like this: the Colts have gotten off to great starts with Frank Wright. Great starts. Mm-hmm. I was watching Belichick's press conference today. Belichick's like, you know, best first quarter team in the in the, in the <laughs> NFL. Um, you get a lead, and you dial up the pass rush. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot for not picking Peyton, but I'll go with the latter. Yeah. All right, a question from Louisiana guy. Actually, he's got two. First one, do you think this year's struggles with the lack of playmakers, specifically at the number two wide receiver spot and corner, will finally, and he emphasizes finally, will make Chris Ballard go out and spend some money? If so, who do you see us going after? And also, how about the Lions win last week? What do you think about yeah. that? <laughs> I thought that I thought that Vikings corner. I had some money on the Vikings, so I wasn't happy. I thought that Vikings <laughs> corner was throwing the game. Like, did he not know where the end zone was? Right. I, I couldn't believe that. Uh, but now, shout out to Dan Campbell and the fighting knee, biting knees off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Chris Bowers been in free agency. Do you think? Do you think there's a question we get more than that? Willie, we'll get back. ready because in the off season, you know they're going to come <laughs> hot and heavy. Uh, I'm not going to believe it till I see it with Ballard and spending. Yeah. Whenever whenever the Colts play a team, you get pretty indebted with like that opponent for the mm-hmm. week. Um, so I, I've obviously done a lot now that the Colts had a bye week into New England. And again, I, what I say earlier, like half their starters are newcomers or close to half. I mean, they were so aggressive in free agency, and it's really paid off for them. Um, you look at Ballard's free agency track record. It's not like he's been bad in free agency. Like, he's hit when he's taken swings. It's just, for me, he doesn't take enough swings. Like, he uses that too little. That is an avenue that I look at as really supporting other areas of your roster. Probably a little bit more on the short-term side. You can find a couple long-term-ish things. A little bit more on the short-term. But an avenue to bolster is Mm -hmm. kind of the word I always use with free agency. Um, And I don't think he views it in that same light. But again, when he has, like... A Houston, an Ebron. I mean, Ebron was a good signing. I know the second year bottomed out, but that was a really good signing on not a big level. You caught how many touchdowns that first year? Yeah, what, 10, 13? Like, kick yeah. the tires. Why not? Uh, Autry, you know, obviously very good. So, um, I, uh, y- you got to think year five, especially if you, you know, lose early in the playoffs or don't get in for some reason, that's got to be a wake up call to just alter your thinking i understand his core principles but i think your results have got to dictate some things i mean new england clearly they've built this great team a great you know perennial team whatever they have a step back last year you know belichick's thinking himself all right i need to do something differently they do it and here they are the best team in the afc right now four weeks to go as always don't you hate (laughs) damn it just 
I just feel the venom from Colts fans when you say that. It's just uh, 20 plus years. Come on. It's absurd in the NFL. It's so it's so absurd. You got to hate the Patriots. Isn't that, I love sports. When I was down in North Carolina this weekend to see my brother, I was like, yeah, your neighbor came out and he's like, that guy's a weirdo. And he's, by the way, he's from New England. <laughs> like That was his, that was his uh, first, once he found out the guy was from New England, he's like, yeah, yeah you know no what? More. All right, we're not we're not going to get along. Nope, nope, <laughs> yep. Um, Merry, Merry Christmas. All right, Kev, from Matt, do you think the Colts upgrade at left tackle in the 2022 offseason? And if so, do they do it via trade, draft, or free agency? Um, Well, again, this is kind of like similar one. You know, it's not a lock for me, th- th- this whole question here about Fisher, because – he is what December thirteenth. We are recording this. That's ten and a half months removed from the Achilles. True. If you are of the belief it takes a solid year, year and a half, you know, would you ride out Fisher for another year? Now, the other question obviously becomes, um, what about your situation with finding a left tackle in free agency and paying him that money to come in and start? Um, draft, are you going to get a guy from day one that's going to be an impact guy? I, I don't think that's a guarantee either. So, I mean, if you're asking me right now, I still think Eric Fisher is probably your starting left tackle next year. Now, I think it's a big end of the season for him, and it's going to be a lot of projection. Maybe you don't see it from him. Um, but I'm not I'm not writing off Fisher just yet. It, it's tough. you got to know medical. Mm-hmm. you, you really got to know medical and believe that he's going to get there. I mean, l- look at Dio Dangbo. I mean, you know, whisper like quiet here to start his NFL career. I'm not ripping the dude for it. He came off, come off a torn Achilles. Like it's hard. So uh, Marlon Mack, you know, it's difficult, but it's just a reality. So if you think they're going to get there, maybe you adjust, maybe you write it. I don't know, man. That's tough. I mean, here's my hope. And, and this is not necessarily, you know, this is kind of unfair to Eric Fisher, me saying this right now. He's 30 years old. Former number one draft pick. We saw on the news all week, Whitworth is the four, first 40-year-old left tackle. I'm not saying he's going to play till 40. Whitworth but, looks like he's 80. But even if he goes another five years, that's five more years of a prime left tackle. And like you said, he's not, I don't think, completely back from the Achilles. Now, next year, if he's playing the way he's playing now, okay. You cut ties, you, you look at the draft board, you have to figure out draft trade, whatever. Like you said, it's still a little tough to determine right now exactly who you have at left tackle. I'll say this, Chris. You cannot – you can't get to Saturday of the draft without taking a left tackle. And you only got two picks. Obviously, you got none on Thursday night, round one. Round two and three, you got a pick each. Uh, one of those has got to be a tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, flat out. And it should have been a tackle at, at some point in recent years. Uh, you know, I don't know, fourth or fifth rounder could have been a tackle too. So um, – yeah. I mean, you've always been pro that. You've Very always been pro, pro running pro. back. Yeah. Again, it's probably my biggest probably my biggest disagreement with Ballard, who is again drafted extraordinarily well at so many spots. But for how big a philosophical belief he has in the O line to ignore tackle to this degree, I mean you got a coaching staff here to develop. They have developed several mm-hmm. draft picks. Like find some attributes you like, mold. Yeah. Learn under Anthony Costanzo. Love that. Is he still in the area? Do you know? Or does... I don't. I don't think so. I think he lives out in Cali. Okay. 
I saw he's back at a game recently, though. Yeah, I did. I, I, I saw game. that as well. He looked, he looked good. He looked slim. They slim real, real no, quick. Around, <laughs> this question comes from Chris. Any news on Paris Campbell coming back in the next few weeks? Also, what is our plan for left tackle next week as we or next year as we just uh, talked about a little bit? And also, Chris loves the show. I appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. Um, yeah, I should get clarity on Campbell soon. It's a question we'll ask Frank Reich again. I thought about holding off on recording this podcast till after, but I think outside of a Campbell Ryan Kelly update, I don't think there's going to be much. <laughs> of course, I say that. Watch. <laughs> okay, don't get confused here, Kevin. We got a question from Dakota, but Dakota is not from Dakota. He's from Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, I got it. All right, I got it. Colts fan. After hearing your opinion on David Bell, David Bell from Purdue, oh. and researching him, he was very impressed. Feels like Pittman and David Bell would be a great duo. Do you think the Colts are going to address the wide receiver depth issue in the offseason or in the draft? And what are the chances that he would even fall to us? I know it's early for draft talks, but I'd really like to just get another reliable target for Carson Wentz. Thanks for all your content. I hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas. Same to you, Dakota, and happy holidays and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. I know a lot of people are traveling this time of year, so we'll continue to have podcasts every week. Um, throughout the end of the year uh, and into the offseason as well. Okay, um, well, Chris, you know, this gets into, all right, if you're taking a left tackle in round two or round three, is in the wideout, is that going to be the other pick? What about edge rusher? What about corner? You know, it's the age-old debate mm-hmm. when you start thinking about the draft. I, I wouldn't mind. i got to take a closer look at the receivers in free agency, Chris, but I know it was a pretty good class last year, so I wouldn't mind looking there. You know, I think a – 27, 8-year-old that's been in a different offense can kind of give Pittman some, you know, pointers maybe about, you know, a little bit of a, hey, we kind of do this this way, you know, especially if Hilton is gone, either retirement or, yeah. you know, one-year deal with Hilton. I just don't know if you have a dr- enough draft resources to do it there. And I also think this, Chris, we're starting to see, like David Bell, you know, where he gets drafted will be a great debate. There's so many freaking wideouts. You know, I know the Colts haven't hit on their day three drafted wideouts necessarily, which is difficult. But, like, at some point with all these wideouts, you got to think you take a chance on a fifth-rounder, sixth-rounder, you know, he could turn into a Pierre Garçon type of career here. So, I probably lean towards free agency, Dakota. Right now, um, based on NFL Mock Draft Database, they have David Bell going anywhere from peak at 40th overall or uh, the latter at 59th overall. Consensus, 31st. Guess who he would go to? New England. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> right? Why wouldn't David yeah. Bell? Like, right. one of the guys that and we all Mac love Jones just go to... 10 uh, years together. So, 40 to 59th? Yeah, that sounds about right for him. Yeah. Second rounder? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Wake Spike wants to know, with Paris Campbell and Mike Strawn, could we use them against the Patriots to give them a little more looks that they've not seen? Well, and will I this work? Huh? And will that work? Well, I don't think Campbell's going to be back. I, I'd be stunned, really, about that. You know, Strawn, I guess that is an option. Again, I don't know how much you'd open. I, I understand the question. I don't know how much you really kind of, like, deviate from it too much. Granted, that third wideout has been a debate right now. I knew you have. I don't know if this matters too much, Chris, but I think it's something we do. Uh, Frank Reich, 3-0 out of bye weeks. I want to say they've scored, like, 40, 30, and 28 out of the three bye weeks. Now you played, I think it's Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit. So, you know, you haven't played a murderer's row by any means. But still, um, that is something to note. So, um, yeah, Strawn, I 
I understand the question. I, I guess I'd be a little surprised at this point. Yeah. But, you know, Frank has gone to young guys late in the season before. It's it's not something that he's been, like, shy, shying away from. So, we'll see. Going to jump to a question from Creighton. Harris says, way too early offseason hopes and predictions. Obviously, we're not going to get a first-round pick. We will, however, have a little bit of money to play this offseason. Would like to re-sign uh, Reed, spend some money on a real outside cornerback, and in the second round of the draft, draft a left tackle, and then start of the third round, address either wide receiver or the back end of the defense. What are your thoughts there with his draft analysis? Yeah, that's a that's a decent-looking offseason plan. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I still worry about edge rusher. And I get you've invested a lot in it, but, you know, have you found it? You know, so I, I, I still worry a little bit about that, Creighton. But, no, I think early offseason blueprint with me not taking a huge look at it, sure. All right, Brian wants to know, with Jonathan Taylor, especially with the leadership now that he has uh, Darius Leonard and people like that in his background, if Big Q gets left tackle money, what position comparison do you pay Jonathan Taylor? Man, I haven't even thought about Taylor getting money. Um, So what, Taylor's in year two of four on the rookie deal, so that means extension would come after year three. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, JT's going to break the bank, right? I mean, break it. I mean, I know he is in a third down back, like maybe a McCaffrey or a Kamara or something like that. But, yeah, he he's going to break it. I I would say look at any other running back that's signed a deal in the last two, three seasons, and Taylor's going to get the top end of that market. Yeah, I mean, he's he might not play on third down, but his durability is just wildly, yeah. wildly impressive. And so, yeah, um, it, it's the books will be interesting. The books will be interesting. Have to draft well. Have to, have to, have to, have to. Absolutely. Kevin, Jonathan has a question about one of your fighting Irish, obviously Quentin Nelson, who you've watched far before he became a Colt. So you might know a little bit more just from watching him on the sidelines at Notre Dame. Has Quentin Nelson always been that fiery, especially when it comes to the hard knocks about going up to Frank Wright and saying, we need to run the ball, or was that an outlier? <laughs> no, I, I think that's Nelson. Ne- Nelson's nuts, man. He is. Um, he doesn't hold back. You know, I think most players that young might be a little bit hesitant to insert themselves. And I think you know Nelson. We don't like. What are we four episodes in? Mm-hmm. Has Quentin Nelson, you know, really spoken much? Like you know, we, we did see the, uh, you know, scenes on the sidelines, but like he hasn't been featured. I think for a reason. I don't think which is Qu- fine. Make your if you're going to speak, speak on the field. I right. love it. Yeah, I don't think Quentin Nelson's much more. Uh, yeah, come over to the Nelson household. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's do a cribs version here. Um, I, I I remember hearing a story about remember when Gouge got fired, the O line coach mm-hmm. Gouge, and they hired um, well, I guess Strasser, who they hired after Gouge. Uh, so that would have been Nelson's rookie season. Nelson is sending these just like. And again, I say wild because 99% of the NFL wouldn't do it, especially 99% of guys that just finished their rookie seasons. He's like texting Chris Ballard, like, if you don't hire this dude, you don't care about our football team. <laughs> it's just like, what? You know? Hey, I, number six pick. You can say what I, you want, right? <laughs> I, I, I guess, man. Um, I also think that sideline scene we saw, I think it happens more than you yeah. would think. Uh, obviously, Nelson, I thought what was really interesting about what Nelson said in that scene, and by the way, I've done a breakdown on our website about some things I've learned about Hard Knocks or what I've liked, what I haven't liked. Mm-hmm. Now four episodes in, it's up on our website, so check that out if you haven't. Nelson specifically said to Reich, 
some, I think I have the word right. I believe he said downhill run. Can we call a downhill run for Taylor? I thought that was a way of saying, I don't want that RPO bullshit. I want to go. I, exactly. I yeah. want to know what it is. I don't want Carson checking out of it, and let's go. And I do think there's a lot of validity to that. Of Those dudes just need to touch the ball. Your best players have got to touch it. I get that it's a numbers game, and it can be a chess match so much, and analytics drive tons of decision-making in the NFL. But at some point, you're best against their best, and you see if it can work. I mean, look at Buffalo yesterday. Tough sled and tough sled, and eventually they were able to kind of get to Tampa Bay's defense. I just think that happens yeah. around the NFL, especially on a short week and all that. Nelson's nuts, man. I want, But I want that. I yeah, want that in my lineman. Dude, I'm not. <laughs> trust me. I'm not. I am not knocking him no, whatsoever. No. He has gotten to the level he's gotten acting like that. But he is just different, man. Really, really different. Let's stick with the play calling from Frank a couple weeks ago with a question from Matt. I know we talked about it a lot, but Matt wants to bring up the fact that, you know, we, we had the 26 times in a row where we didn't give to Jonathan Taylor. Is there someone else responsible that can step in for Frank Reich? He feels like sometimes we're focused too much on the micro and we need to be focused on the macro. Is that an assistant coach? Who steps in there? No, Matt, I think it's a really fair question. That was kind of wild to me, Chris, after that Tampa Bay game. Frank didn't know that Taylor hadn't touched it or had touched it, whatever, two times in that span. Like, boy, of all the numbers and all the things people tell you in your ear, I feel like that would be something that that, that you would know. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, you got people up in the booth. You've got analytics team. Um, again, it kind of comes back to my thing with Reich. Brilliant offensive mind. Like, brilliant. I, you guys have I've laughed off the whole, oh, you, shouldn't, you, know, you shouldn't call plays. I think those are ludicrous debates. Um, I think he gives the Colts an advantage offensively week in and week out, and that's definitely not something I said about the previous regime. The interesting part is, though, the managing of a game and knowing those little intricacies. Um like, Reich has so much conviction as well, Chris, and certainly has a lot of conviction towards his quarterback. I am worried about just, like, you know, does he have an open, open enough mind to kind of deviate from all of those numbers and just incredible conviction? It's a great quality to have, but at times it can lead to not, um, I don't know, not being a, a, as open-minded. So, mm-hmm. um but again, I think you guys have long heard me say this. I do think Chris and Frank are the right people for this job. I think at times they've needed to be held more accountable than maybe some others have been willing to do. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I do believe that they will get this figured out. Well, another thing that Chris Ballard is going to have to figure out is a question from Wyatt Blopa, Matt, and a lot of other people that have written in. I'm going to condense some, some of their questions, and I'm sorry that I'm not reading them verbatim from you guys, but they're basically all are centered around the fact, Kevin, that Quentin Nelson, as great as he is, he's starting, in some people's minds, to diminish a little bit or be injured. He's coming up on a contract year. How much yeah, money do yeah. you pay him? Boy, it's uh, that's a popular question we get a lot, Chris. Um, fascinating. I, I can't wait to kind of focus the whole podcast around it in the offseason, which, boy, nothing says I'm a loser. Like, let's talk about an offensive guard and how much money they should make in the offseason. But... Here I am. Um, Chris Reed played pretty good ball for you. Yeah. Um, I think it does diminish the value of Nelson uh, to most people. 
I'm not sure if it will in Ballard or Ursay's eyes. I mean, Ursay is, I mean, Big Q, man, it's his guy. That, that's his boy right there, you know. I'm waiting for Big Q to show up on stage at one of these Ursay concerts. Did I see him? Was he <laughs> rocking a little, did he, it was a cigarette lit? Did you see that video the other weekend? Of Ursay? Yeah. No. Check that out. Google that. Ursay, I don't know, singing over the weekend. I don't know. Find it. Maybe. Take a take a look at it. It was quite the scene there. I'm still waiting for the Ursay feature on Hard Knocks, by the way. But I, I, I think they'll pay Nelson. I think his leadership, what he stands for, how he carries himself on the field, off the field, that is really, really important to them. My my question, and I don't know if Wyatt or those other ones that sent him in reference it, Chris, but like, you know, health wise, you know, the injuries have started to kind of pile up. Now, not to the point of taking him off the field, but what if Nelson becomes a guy that, you know, plays in 11 games, 12 games, like something like that, you know, that would obviously really lessen how much you feel like he deserves. So, I still think they will pay him, and they will pay him very, very handsomely. But I think it's a very fine debate to have. Yeah. Do you think it's one of those debates? And, again, these are apples and oranges. Is that what makes the Patriots different? Where sometimes, you know, Richard Seymour, you know, they they have these guys, William McGinnis, and they, they, hey, I love you, but I'm going to let you walk. Yeah, I think think it's a good point you make now. There probably are some guys that have fallen in this category. I do think it's different when it's your second contract versus like the Seymours of the world might have been a third contract yeah. and kind of north of 30 there. Uh, but to your point, and again, Ballard got asked this question at the start of training camp, you know, to the people out there that say you don't pay guards that money, you don't pay off-ball linebackers that money. Ballard's just like, you pay good players, period. I don't care where they play. There's probably some GMs out there that would cringe at hearing that comment. Just, I mean, look at how the draft rolls each year. Mm-hmm. You know, running backs aren't getting drafted high anymore. Guards aren't getting drafted high. Like, but for what the Colts wanted, and I still think want, they feel like those positions are worthy of it. Um, comes back to it, man. The books, the books, the books, the books. That's right. And if you don't draft well, it's not going to work. Yeah. Period. All right, a big listener of the podcast. Did you Garrett. find the Ursay thing? I did not. I mean, I found one from in September, but well, maybe, maybe you know what's it was that. you know what's the thing is when you Google Ursay singing, there's a lot of videos now. <laughs> <laughs> he's starting to he's you know he's he's like a uh, he went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Like he's starting is, to sing a lot in public. I I'll mean, tell you what, man, there's a lot talk, of them out yeah. there. <laughs> That's the fr- freshman that stayed in his dorms and then <laughs> yeah. found the right alcohol and boom. <laughs> the rest is history. Gary has a hashtag for us, Desert Island Colts Pod. Oh. Bye week question for you since now, Kevin. You're I hope that's nat- a good thing. Is that a good thing, Desert Island Colts Pod? I mean, I'd love to be in, especially when I landed last night and got off the plane, and they're like, welcome to Minneapolis. It's 34 degrees. I was like, oh, God, here we go. So Gary's dialing us up from yeah. his Desert Island. Yes. I got it. Okay. I thought he meant like we're, we're alone on the Desert Island because we're so No. Poor. Come on. I don't know. I, I Not that you're negative. an HBO star, which he mentions in the question. Now that you are an HBO star, Kevin, and having known the Colts in and out by working with them and working here at uh, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan, has anything surprised you or has there been any insight that you've gained from watching Hard Knocks? You know, Gary, again, I encourage people to read that article. Um, I've loved Hard Knocks. Loved it. Uh, anything earth-shattering to that point? I 
I don't think anything has been too earth shattering to me, but you know, I've got some of my colleagues that are like, this is so boring. Why are we watching this? And I'm like, guys, it's not meant for us. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I, I teach a class at IU um, every spring, and I try to tell these students, like, we get to wear a credential to events. That allows you to go places that 99% of the building is not allowed to go. Use your credential. You mm-hmm. have access. Like, I do not take for granted the fact that I am able to go behind the scenes and, you know, whatever, even as little as being on a Zoom call with, you know, players and coaches and whatnot. Um, So for whatever, a a large portion of the HBO viewing audience, and again, they are reaching people that I never even thought would ever watch Colts content. Like I have people reaching out to me being like, I'm like, you watched Hard Knocks? Like that's what that show has turned into. A lot of people just watch it because it's Mm -hmm. a great show. It's appointment television almost, Yeah. yeah. Um. You're getting to see a team meeting for the first time. You're getting to see a mic'd up position coach room. You get to see Parks Frazier decorate his office with Colts or Christmas decorations. <laughs> like, just like a little humanizing stuff. And I get, I got a couple of people that are like, oh, good. You know, I can turn on the Disney Channel and see Hard Knocks. All right. They, they, for like 10 minutes every episode, are they showing like these players and their babies and, and whatever, their, their, their family life and whatnot? They're human. Human, exactly. Um, I think it's absolutely awesome, Gary. I, I think it's great. Um, if I was directing it, I'd probably want football 24-7. But, like, again, I am the different percentile than everyone else that's watching it. And I just think it's really cool. I think you're getting 45 minutes of very unique content that 31 other fan bases would love to get at a critical juncture of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a distraction one bit. Um, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I, again, I encourage people to check out that article. I got some stuff that stand out to me. I think the cinematography of it all is incredible. They make they make that facility look like it's a palace. It's it's not. It, it's a nice facility, but compared to other NFL facilities, it's definitely not at that level. Um, really cool shots of Indy, Indy in general. Yeah. Um, I love the smokestacks coming into the yeah. stadium. Yeah, the hell, they yeah. made White River look like a Hawaiian island coming in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously the the behind the scenes like position coach stuff, and I like the at at, at home stuff. I I do think it's cool. I mean, these players do live in our community. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not like oh yeah, well they we fly them in from the desert island every day. Um, so yeah, I I've been a huge fan of it. We have yeah. Steve Trout, the director on of Hard Knocks, every Thursday morning on our radio show. For those that have missed it, feel free to message me or find our podcast, Kevin and Query. Um, so yeah. I've uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's also fun to see like position coaches like, you know what? I don't know how Zoom works. Whatever, like, let's <laughs> right. go. Yeah. Come on, yeah, I'm too exactly. old for this. Like, yeah, am I muted? <laughs> yeah, right. Question from Juan: Would you strengthen the wide receiver or secondary group first? Which group would you do via draft, and which would you do via free agency? He believes that we our biggest weakness, or those are the biggest weaknesses. Thanks as always, and greetings from Colombia. Oh, what's up, Juan? Thank you for tuning in. Love that. Uh, I'd probably lean vet wide out, young outside corner. Okay. Probably where I would lean there. Obviously, Rhodes, you know, how much longer is he playing? I think that's a fair question to ask, but that's probably where I would go, Juan. Thank you for that. All right, a couple more. Jordan, hey, Kevin, do you think the Colts can reach the 40 turnover mark that they had their goal set for last year? 
Dude, I laughed at that at the start of the year. I was like, 40 turnovers? No bleeping chance. I believe they're 11 away with four games to go. I mean, you put it in those terms, and it's yeah. not that outrageous. Now, I, I still don't think they get there, but it's wild, man, how many turnovers they've been able to mm-hmm. to produce. Yeah. Um, yeah. I honestly think it's masked up some other stuff defensively. Uh, you know, Leonard, I mean, listening to Belichick today, you know, not a lot of things kind of make him go in awe or pause. He rattled off Leonard's turnover numbers. And he, you know, he really couldn't find the right words to describe it. And that right there kind of let me know, you know, what Leonard has done this season. I mean, can you have a bigger compliment than that? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. From John, Quiddy Pay has looked awesome in the last handful of games, but the pass rush is still is not where it needs to be, in his opinion. If you're Chris Ballard, do you address that by one, retaining guys and hoping they develop? Two, making a big swing in free agency, three, making a big trade, or four, drafting another pass rusher in the second round. You know, I don't want to sound overly critical, Chris, but i don't not sure if I'd throw the Quiddy Pay's been awesome lately. I think Quiddy Pay's been better. I think he's found some sacks. I also think if you look at those sacks specifically, it's not been just like pure edge rush, hand in the dirt, like that left tackle I got no chance on. I think some coverage has helped there. I think some effort has played into it as well. So I just don't want to fall into the trap of like, hey, Colt's got a bona fide edge rusher in Quiddy Pay, flat out stud. He's doing what Michael Parsons is doing or, you know, whoever else. I mean, you look at some other rookie rushers, not just Parsons, honestly. You look at some other rookie rushers in the league, Ojolari, uh, the Oway kid, um, Jalen Phillips, like they all have had better sack numbers th- mm-hmm. than Pay. So I just want to make sure we look at it and just, if the, if the right rusher's there, you still need to draft it. You put Pay in that person opposite for the next. X amount of years, now you're really talking. Um, so I, 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 I'm I, making a big swing in free agency. I, again, I don't know the edge rushers in free agency. I thought you had some opportunities this past year, but uh, yeah. All right, question from Scotty. Our uh, once-a-week Andrew Luck question. Oh, boy. I'm nervous. If you had 15 years of peak play, would you want Andrew Luck, Jonathan Taylor? Oh, luck. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a, that's a no doubt. You're getting 15 years, 15 of, a, years? Yeah, yeah. of a top I, I, five quarterback. Yeah. I feel bad because I feel like we did this a few weeks ago with Taylor and like Edron James. Then we had that debate of like who had the better. I mean, Taylor's been a stud, but yeah, it just, it's positional value purely mm-hmm. there. Um, yes. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, Kevin. Question from Ben Did Ballard do this defense a great disservice by not trading with the Patriots for Stefan Gilmore? It would have only cost us about a fifth rounder at most, and he's still playing on his old contract. Ben feels like the secondary is pathetic right now. You know, Ben, I think hindsight's very twenty twenty. Let's go back to the trade deadline. What was your record? You know, I don't think you were in this buy, buy, buy mode at that point. You've gotten mm-hmm. yourself into that position, but I don't think you were necessarily there at that point. So I thought you had to take on a little bit of that contract. I, I could be wrong on that. And I, I'm not a big fan of parting ways with draft picks when you're already worth out your first rounder. So I get what you're saying, Ben, but I, I'm not going to. No, I, I'm not ripping Ballard for that. Kevin, it's only fitting that Louisiana guy wants a little voodoo magic here for you. <laughs> you have Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, Jim Mersey, and one player of your choice to give a truth vaccine. Oh, jeez. If you could ask them one question to get the absolute truth, what would you ask? Thanks for the love and the work that you and Chris do weekly. 
Well, thank you for that. I do get nervous when I hear when you say <laughs> we have a question of the word vaccine is in it. I'm like, oh, jeez. There goes any chance we had to maintain. Truth, we'll say serum. Okay. How about like that? that? Okay, so one question to the powers that be. Yeah. Dude, I. <laughs> How much do you hate Andrew Luck? <laughs> that That's harsh. I. I mean, the Luck story is one of the wildest ones out there. Um, is that going to be a th- – that has to be a 30 for 30 at some po- – or whatever it, that it, document series gonna is going to be at it, some point down the road. Yeah, but if you're doing it, don't expect Andrew Luck to sit in the chair. You know, you're going to have to have a whole lot of other voices. It's true. Telling that story. I mean, I know some of my colleagues that have reached out to him and just are like, dude, time, place, you, you tell me where, and we will be there, ready for the story. Barry and, Sanders has come back, but so you, do you think after twenty thirty years he starts to kind of? Come I mean, twenty thirty, or? knows Luck's probably. But actually, like you said, he, he might be content somewhere. with just yeah. See ya. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he still lives in Indy, which mm-hmm. is. I guess like, if you want me to break it down a little bit more, or say like, why did you pay him twenty more million? Was that purely to think he was coming back? Um, Ballard, it would be. Did you have an inkling? I mean, Ballard, I think, is a great reader of people. He had, I mean, I guess Josh McDaniels, I, I don't know, maybe not. But um, any inkling? Uh, would Reich have taken this job if Luck wasn't the quarterback? You know, I, I know they might say, and, you know, Reich has not like had a bunch of suitors going after him, but would he have? Um, would McDaniels have taken this job if Luck wasn't the quarterback? Would Vrabel be your head coach? Yeah. You know, there's so many elements to it all there. So I hate to surround it so much with luck because I know that there's a lot of people that are like, stop talking about Andrew Luck, but it was just such a monumental moment two weeks before the start of the season and has largely shaped Ballard and Reich's tenure that Yeah, that would be the Absolutely. Yeah, that's my that's my true serum. I would have wondered about uh Yeah, am I missing something? No, I would and this is not with uh Frank Reich because he wasn't here I've always wondered, and I know you can't do it. The Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano. Mm, mm, that's because you that's can't. You can't. I mean, what Chuck yeah. went through, you can't right. say. Yeah, four games in his head coaching yeah. career, you aren't going to fire him. But man, Bruce Arians, right. the way that he he led that offense and what he's done since. No, I think that's a really good point. Um, I've got about five minutes for a Frank Wright conference call, so let's. Uh, what do we got? Three or four more. Well, yep. Uh, yeah. Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, done receiving an. Ex- or, or, what have they done to receive an extension? We got three more. Yeah, I, I've long gone on the record. They should not have received an extension. I can say that and still acknowledge. I think they're both really good at their jobs and will get it done. But yeah, in no way, shape, or form did they deserve the extensions that they got. All right, Garrett wants to know, and this is going to be stingful for you, any thoughts on the recent uh, Chase Claypool immaturity, and is this the reason the Colts did not have them on the radar to select him? Oh, that was so idiotic, man. You know, he's always kind of been a too cool for school, which I get it. He's insanely gifted. Very. But, yeah, he's always kind of been that way, even at Notre Dame a little bit. Um, What year? Is this Claypool's third year? Was he Paris Campbell's draft? This is his second um, Sec, uh, no, this is just, I don't know. They all run together. Yeah. I, I think, like, probably just skill set. You know, they probably wanted a little bit quicker guy. Um, well, is it second? Or were him, I think him it, in the same draft? I think they were, right? Yeah, because I, I know they work out together. So maybe they were. Uh, I think Pittman was just steadier. Uh, you know, Claypool was pretty raw yeah. as a wideout. Pittman, obviously, you're seeing it. He was pretty, 
pretty steady there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure it had a little bit to do with it, Garrett. I I don't think like Claypool is off the Colts board or anything like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Last question, we're going to circle back around to the wide receivers and a topic that we talked about earlier. Assuming the Colts make the playoffs and we give up the first-round pick, 2022 pick will be outside of the top 50. No way we get David Bell because he's not going to fall that far, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, you just read off those numbers earlier, Chris. I don't know. It, he's not going to test great compared to the other wideouts. That That's just reality. Like, he's just not – That's not. again, I've made the comparison to Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne wasn't a great tester and yet had an unbelievable career. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Pittman, I guess a good example. He's, what, seventh wideout, sixth wideout taken and went 34 overall. So, I don't know, if you're the sixth or seventh wideout, you probably still will go somewhat high. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's um, that's a good debate. I I like Bell a lot. I, I I don't know if wide receiver wide receiver might be that that pressing. Yeah, I don't know. I and it all depends see. where everything falls. You know, yeah, it's a, it's gotta a puzzle see, piece. Got to see how how other things play out there. But my guess is David Bell goes. He goes like forty four overall. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if he's playing against. Uh, I don't know yeah, if he's playing. Yeah, I saw the Notre Dame guys opted out. Kyle Hamilton and mm-hmm. Kyron Williams. I don't know about. Purdue guys officially yet. George Karloftis yeah. being the other one who will be a very high pick. Yes. All right. Well, Kev's got to go talk to Frank Reich. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, uh, Colts did not lose this week. We got some help from the Bills and the Bengals. Kevin, anything else you want to add on? No, we'll be back Monday. Again, recapping Saturday game the next couple weeks, but we'll be back Monday with another edition of Kevin's Corner. Soak it up, Indy. Enjoy it. It's going to be awesome on Saturday night, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.